Thank you, Casco, for inviting me to moderate. And thank you, Manuela, and thank you, Michel, for being here. It's funny, you could call me a, a, a very local uh, activist, and we are working here today with two like hyper transnationalists <laughs> fly everywhere or train everywhere. A lot of places, a lot of places. And uh, so we're going to talk about the commons, the, the different skills, the city. Maybe, maybe well, national for sure, maybe even transnational. Uh, and uh, if, depending on you, we can also talk about regional commons, of course. Because uh, it is always easy to forget um, the non-city parts, the rural lands of uh, that Casco is also working with, for instance, through Inland at the moment. Um, and um, <coughs> I will briefly say a bit about Manuela and about Michel. And then I will try give a very short, uh, and I know that is a contested frame for the comments. I will just talk about uh, Eleanor Ostrom, the uh, uh, Nobel Prize winner for economics in 2009, who delineated a model, uh, a sort of eight precepts that the commons need in order to function. Um, and that's just um, a way of, of uh, like setting some structure that we can always deviate from because, as it is normal in this kind of discussion, there there is uh, a lot of contestation. Okay, to start with Manuela, who will also be our first uh, speaker. I wrote down, Manuela, that you are a researcher and a cultural worker, and that you are uh, a political theorist and you worked on the micropolitics of care. Um, uh, and this care uh, uh, in your PhD is about... Um, um, well, yeah, micropolitics of care and ethics uh, that have to do with organizations that work around or work because of precarity. Um, and um, around that, or because of that, I don't know, you are involved in many different um, initiatives. The websites that you, that you lead, the website that you lead is the Future Archives. Um, um, uh, well, I'm going to list just very shortly everything that you do that's oh easiest. <laughs> well, and then there's another website that you are involved with, which is called Murmurai. Uh, and uh, that's, um, uh, uh, they create learning environments, tool for micropolitics uh, of groups and also ethics of care. And that is also your specific contribution to that collective, I think. Yes. Right. Yay. And uh, you work for the Berlin Institute for Migration Research. Doing a postdoc there, indeed. And now you are here as a representative of, no, I don't know, that's an ugly word. Um, <laughs> but you are going to tell us some of the things that Barcelona Ancomu is doing right now. And you are part of the interna internationalization work group, something like that, right? Uh, and uh, so you can tell us a bit, but as we just had our lunch and we, we talked a bit before, it is impossible to tell everything that Barcelona Ancomu is doing because there are so many different groups that are creating so many different things that there is, well, at least you don't have the oversight and probably there's no one who has everything. Um, okay, so you say that the commons is a matter of everyday experience of social relations and about social reproduction. Uh, and I think we will hear more about that in your in your talk. Then Michel, um, 
let's start with that you were a former manager at Belgacom. Uh, <laughs> no, to understand who, to understand where you're coming from, because this means that you have a, an in-depth knowledge of how groups function, how large economic structures function, um, and how people in those institutions think. And that is very important for the kind of work that you do, because you work on, well, peer-to-peer -peer initiatives, so the digital um, forms that the commons can take but also on other social commons. I will, I will come back to that later. Um, but um, in these, you work with heads of state. I mean, you just had an interview with the king, right? Of Belgium, uh, a personal audience. And uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's really something. I wish, I wish ours would ever do that. It would be, would be something, but uh, um, <coughs> probably it will never happen. Uh, and you are the founder of the Foundation for Peer-to-Peer -peer Alternatives. It's a basically, well, if, I, if we look at it from our perspective, it is a gigantic web archive with more than 20,000 articles on peer-to-peer, -peer, um, on the commons, on all kinds of ways of governance, financial commons, uh, um, well, the real, the open source work, and uh, uh, social commons uh, in the city and around. And through that, you... As I said, you travel a lot. You, for instance, work with uh, with the government of Ecuador, or yes. for a while, yes, 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 in 2014, to create a, let's say, transition plan that could help Ecuador create a common uh, commons, an, uh, an economy of the commons. Um, and um, you are also a theorist in your own right. You published a book now in Dutch two, one year ago, I think, which is called The Wereldredden. So it's not uh, unambitious to save the world through peer-to-peer -peer alternatives. And in that you are very vocal, and this has been taken up in Holland now, uh, saying that, for instance, things like Uber and Airbnb, as we probably all know, but as nobody else seems to know in Holland, at least, that they are not commons that they are not the sharing economy, and that you've coined a nice word for them. They are netarchical capitalism, which means that they don't function by um, 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 having the copyright of the things that they produce necessarily. What is important for them is that they control the platforms on which, yeah, everyday people contribute all the labor uh, content uh, relationships and the effective work that make these platforms useful, but they control the shares and therefore control, uh, get uh, rich from them, basically. Uh, let's say, so you contrast netarchical capitalism with cognitive capitalism, uh, because that is the model where still what the capitalist creates is m most importantly the intellectual property rights. Um, and you just delivered a series of talks here in, in Holland and in Belgium, and in France, I think, too. Uh, and you'll be heading for Berlin tomorrow, right? And there, among other things, you talked about viable alternatives um, um, that the blockchain um, could represent for the commons, which is the, and the blockchain is the, the working mechanism underneath the Bitcoin. And the Bitcoin is one, uh, well, what you call distributed capitalism. 
Uh, so also not a sharing economy, but the thing underlying it, that is something that could be used to create more commons. Okay, so basically, a uh, lot of what you're talking about is talking about ways that uh, the, the, the new commons can be enclosed again. Uh, and how to break out of that, or how these enclosures will still will still guide us towards a state of commons. Well, that was a pretty long intro. So to skip over a lot of things, my research um, started when I when I studied in Bologna, um, and um, uh, was very much taken by the uh, Italian uh, uh, autonomist movement. Um, and that is how I came into a more, let's say, theoretical approach to politics, because I didn't find it here at that time when I was squatting and doing all kinds of stuff in activist networks. Um, there I found it, and then it went back to Marx, which was, yeah, uh, what is getting more and more normal. And for me to translate Marx to a Dutch, um, uh, 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 understanding a framework was especially important about the commons. Marx talks about the commons in the 24th chapter of the capital and he says how they were destroyed and actually the way he talks about it or the, the way he describes that it happened in English is not at all the way it happened in Holland. There in England 12th and 13th century with pretty big civil wars the commons were basically annihilated. Here those civil wars have happened too but not as on a, such a large scale, and the commons stayed on until the 19th century. And then they were reformed, partly through pressure from the state and the king, but also because the commoners themselves saw use for that. And so our specific model of what we now vilify as poldering, uh, all the different kinds of ways of talking with each other and getting somewhere, or nowhere, as everybody believes now, these, are, these were forms of commons. And the very big and important social housing stock that Holland still has, but let's say really used to have until 1998 when the state decided that they would all be privatized, they were commons. So until, yeah, uh, the re last pr prime minister started to really destroy the social housing, a large part of the Dutch people lived in commons. Um, of course, the way they were managed, some were very centralized, but many were also really as verenigingen. And in that uh, system, um, so a kind of foundation, but a foundation in which all the members have a say. And that system was, was taken away in for, uh, uh, for the stichting um, 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 uh, management form. And the management form of the stichting is also a foundation, but they have a professional board. And this was this happened because it was um, asked for by the banks. Basically, they wanted to be able to talk with a few people who were more or less in their strata, social strata, and so that they, the banks, wouldn't have to deal anymore with all the people living in these houses, uh, because uh, it was difficult for the banks to create more capital out of that. So this is an interesting way that the commons persevered until quite recently and were now actively destroyed but of course again um, are, are also coming up because precarity has reached our shores as well. So to come to Ostrom, uh, Elinor Ostrom defines uh, eight rules for commons. The first is 
So to say, a commons is not a thing, a piece of land or a building. A commons is a social structure. And the social structure, as she says, needs borders. So it is not a, um, a, um, a free-for-all or a, a total open access. Of course, this is different for digital commons. Um, but uh, for social commons, they need to be um, have a border. There need to be rules, how to use and how to behave. There need to be ways, uh, democratic ways of making decisions. People need to be able to monitor themselves, which is the fourth rule. And the fifth rule is that there need to be sanctions if the borders of the commons are in some way transgressed. And this is especially true for land commons, because, of course, if they are transgressed, this means ecological deterioration and uh, destruction of the commons. So, but since there are sanctions, there also need to be cheap and easily accessible ways to, um, to, negate, to, to negotiate conflicts. And, of course, governments need to have some hopefully positive relationship with the commons. Her eighth rule is very interesting. She says that if a commons gets too big, it needs to shed parts of itself into new commons. And that is something that Michel also has a theory about, the uh, multi-stakeholder cooperations. Um, and I thought that was an interesting discussion, uh, point for later. But now this little intro is finished and I will give the floor to Manuela. Thank you.